Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the MLS Bench Podcast. I am Joey, and today we have one of the biggest pods we are going to have yet. It is, I mean, there's just everything to play for right now in MLS. We have spots up in the East, in the West, kind of the craziest, you know, way that scheduling could have gone that gives us essentially, you know, win, lose, you know, you're in or you're out games uh, coming up this weekend and even tonight as we have the restart of Charlotte Columbus, Inter-Miami, Orlando. So much to touch on in both conferences and we'll try and condense it into a single pod, however hard that may be. I did want to start by addressing the news that if you're a soccer fan in the United States, you've seen anywhere. Um, and, and that's the horrific, horrific findings of Sally Yates of um, the abuse in the NWSL and really throughout U.S. women's soccer, stemming back years and years at this point. We don't. I'm not going to speak on everything because I just don't have enough information, and I feel like that's a different conversation that needs to be highlighted more fully on another day. And we're going to try and get that conversation going in the very near future. But at least up front, from all of us here at uh, MLS Bench, we did want to say that. These women and women all over the U.S. soccer scene are in our thoughts today. Um, we want to send a message of love. And obviously, these things cannot continue to go on. This cannot be tolerated anymore. Every time that one of these situations comes up, it's it's a disservice to women, period, to look at this as just another situation to be dealt with and addressed and then brushed under the rug. This is systemic. This needs to be rooted out. And most of all, it's just love all over. We need there to be more love in this game. And that's who, no matter what gender, no matter what league, everywhere, it's just got to be a culture of love first and then the, the sport of soccer second because that hasn't happened recently and that's not good enough. Not from any of us, anywhere. We can all do better. And so... um. That that's the message we wanted to send first and foremost, and everything else that we're going to say on this pod and any other pod is secondary. And I think that that's just worth addressing. Um, Absolutely, and I, I just want to echo a lot of what Joey's saying here. Uh, especially, I just I for as little of a, a um, soapbox that we have here, like we we. I, I, I won't speak for you guys, but I feel just necessity that we kind of express that this this place has solidarity with those players, with the NWSLPA, um, and uh, with those victims. So, um, yeah, love and solidarity always. always. It's, it's not good enough right now. Um, and we trust people who are in positions of power to start to make those changes, but so far it hasn't happened. And so we need to continue to be vigilant and continue to put the right people in power because so far that hasn't happened and that's led to pretty devastating results. And that's on people in the media. It's almost hard to consider us media because we're not a massive podcast, but it's people all over the media spectrum who have to do that basic journalistic duty of accountability, right? Acknowledging what's gone on, acknowledging the steps that need to be taken to get to a better place. And before we move on, I do want to just stress 
the bravery that's occurred to make this happen, the bravery of Manashim and all those um all the players who've spoken out, whether anonymously or, you know, brave enough to put their face on uh the quotes that have ended careers, have, you know, up to this point not achieved really anything, and yet these women were brave enough to say it, the bravery of journalists like Meg Linehan, um, who've covered this stuff at probably you know, personal expense for longer than most people have been paying attention. It's kind of a, a everyone playing their part that's led up to this point, and that means that the soccer community as a whole owes both a debt of gratitude to these women and carries a responsibility to make it better in the future. Um, and I, I do want, like I said, to throw together a podcast with people who are you know supporters or people who are involved with these clubs where this has happened. But, you know, from us, at least what we can do right now is just send a message of solidarity and love to all the players and everyone who's been affected over the years by this. Um, it's the least we can do. So with that, uh, with that out of the way, uh, we can move on to the sport itself, um, soccer. And like I mentioned in the intro, so much to cover, so much to talk about. And there's no better spot than the Eastern Conference, I think, to start because of the uh, matchups that are occurring tonight. Like I said, the restart of Charlotte and Columbus, Inter-Miami and Orlando, and the Florida Derby, and then the matches that took place on Saturday and on Sunday this last weekend, producing basically every perfect result that could lead to a, a, you know, a, a, five, a four or five team horse race for two spots or three spots, um, and that's kind of crazy. FC Cincinnati uh, right now is almost secure except for the fact that Columbus on 45 points pulled off a, a a really amazing win on the weekend two goals in four minutes at the death from uh Derek Etienne to win Columbus all three and keep them firmly entrenched in this race above them are Orlando on 45 Inter Miami on 45 and FC Cincinnati on 46 so it's it's really is it's four teams for three spots and then throw Charlotte in there too because they can still pull enough results together to claim one of those final two spots it's just it's insane right now Matt I don't know how where you want to start this is just one of the most ridiculous races we've seen in years and we've seen a lot of races in these last couple of years that have been crazy what do you make of all of this? It's to have uh, um, the season end up as compact around that playoff line uh, is really, really exciting. And so let's just, to, to look a little bit at the, the storyline of the two teams that you've just mentioned, uh, Columbus, this is one of the first times that they uh, have been on the good side of dropped points late in games this season. They have been really, really poor going into the later part of the second half uh, all season long, effectively. And so for them to find Derek Etienne really gives them an opportunity to save their season. And there uh, have been rumblings on um, Caleb Porter's role if if uh, they were not to make the playoffs. So to give themselves that chance to go ahead and keep that chance alive is great. And then Charlotte, like, wow, how'd we get here, huh? Like to take that or to to have 
the presumptive favorites for the top of the East come into your house and then to put a pretty decent shellacking on them um, took some guts. And Daniel Rios, have yourself a day, man. So that I just I a lot of praise for those two teams really giving themselves the chance to go ahead and make the playoffs and make a run. Yeah, and you know, watching it all play out, I was in Charlotte for the Charlotte game as a Union fan. Not fun at all. Never recommend heading to a game, traveling to another state in which your team has the worst performance in years and gets absolutely destroyed. Um, but it was an, it was a good experience. It was a good experience. Charlotte looked really impressive. They looked like they were actually playing, you know, like their season depended on it, which it did, right? Anything but a win for the most part, and that was all she wrote. But yet they've they stayed somehow in the mix due to heroics by Daniel Rios and everything else, you know, shaping up like it absolutely needed to for uh, Charlotte. And with a win tonight against that Columbus team, they are tied heading into the restart. They put themselves essentially a win away and then drop points from one of those other teams um, that are in the playoff picture at this point. Th- then they're in, which is something that none of us could have seen, you know, even just a week ago, even just, you know, four or five days ago, because it just it looked like it was setting up perfectly for a Philly win. Then we can talk about the shield race and Charlotte's out. But that's just not what happened. Um, and, and they're on. 13 wins, which is good enough to uh, keep them on level with Orlando and Inter Miami. Wins being that tiebreaker makes that even more crucial. So for Charlotte, it was a massive win, and for Philly, um, and not winning the Shield hurts, but a win this weekend, and then they're in CCL, top of the East, all that stuff. That getting kind of out of the way. You me- you mentioned about um, Columbus their late game, uh, whatever the opposite of heroics are, they mentioned on the broadcast after they got the win, they dropped nine points in second half stoppage time alone, which is just wild to think about where they would be if they didn't collapse in the last probably, you know, four or five minutes of most of these games. That's insane. Andres, we've touched on so much already. I kind of don't know how to start this, but however you want to take this East playoff race, you're welcome to. Uh, and especially talking about these Ohio teams and all that, you know, shake uh, all that shook out in those games. How do you kind of see this race as we enter in the last uh, four days of the season? So I think first of all, we have to kind of thank the soccer gods for for what they've provided here with these both conferences, and we'll get into the West a little later. Um, basically, we've got a six, seven, eight, nine. A matchup midweek before decision day, almost like a, almost like if it's March Madness and you get that play-in round before the actual tournament starts. It's kind of what what tonight feels like. We've got this uh, Charlotte Columbus restart happening in about an hour and a half, and then uh, Miami Orlando. Uh, at one point, I was planning to be at that game and then had to delay delay a trip, which which means I won't I won't be able to make it before the end of the season. But it's it's wild. This league, when just when you think you have things figured out again, uh, we basically congratulated Cincinnati on making the playoffs like two weeks ago. Uh, and then you go and you lose to, to Chicago without any of their DPs. At one point, they were down 3 nothing in that game. Uh, with basically a playoff clinching uh, performance available to them. And now they're 
you know, they're still favorites to get in, considering they've got DC and a points advantage. Uh, but they sort of need a result. If they lose that game, they could very well be jumped, depending on on how tonight goes, which I was not expecting. Uh, Columbus, I was expecting to be in, and then they've had some disastrous uh, stoppage time performances, like you guys mentioned. Uh, and then they turned that 180 around uh, to, to get a win when they, you know, in the moments of the game when they haven't been performing. To, to get themselves right back in it. Miami got a, a, a late winner from Miguain, who's been on fire and is unfortunately calling it calling it a career at, at the end, which you know could very well be on on Sunday. So it is it is wild how these things have played out to give us uh, basically the two games tonight, uh, the Columbus Orlando match on Sunday. Uh, and then the Miami Cincinnati matches uh, on Sunday, you know Miami Montreal and Cincinnati DC to basically uh, decide the playoff spots. It's Cincinnati, Orlando, Miami, Columbus. That's four teams, and Charlotte with winning out with some help. Uh, that's five teams for for three spots, and it's all to play for. Uh, insane that it comes down this way, but I guess we shouldn't expect less from MLS. Absolutely. And I, I'm really, really happy that you brought up the fact that um, Iguain announced his retirement at the end of this season, because I, I cannot imagine how much that would just invigorate a locker room to say, let's go out there, let's do it for this guy who is probably considered a legend of the game, like one of the top scorers in Italy, had a great career with Argentina. Like, there's... That has to go ahead and get people going. So I'm I'm really excited to see what Miami comes out with, especially in this upcoming rivalry match too. Like, and Orlando is in a weird, weird spot to me, um, where they they played well early enough in the season to go ahead and get them to this spot. They're a worse NYCFC, where they just have fallen off on in the second half and. Uh, haven't really made some of the hits on some of their signings. I think Kara could still turn around and be a very, very good striker, but I just, it's, it's a really, really interesting matchup. And I'm, I'm so happy that inter Miami is in this spot because I think that's another team that down the road is going to be a great, great, just face of the league. And yeah, I think, and we've talked about, kind of these teams that we wish were better because they have the markets, they have the names. Inter-Miami's one of those. Losing Higuain, as you mentioned, Andres, would be a a top storyline on most podcasts had this craziness not shaken out the way that it has. Um, but it, it's one of those situations where he's played so well recently. The team's won their last three games even though they could easily be out at the end of the next, you know, half week, they've also done everything that they needed to to be in the playoffs, right? That's how it's literally on a razor's edge right now for all these teams. Um, the the yeah, one we, team, go ahead. We we like you said, it's a it's a razor's edge. We've already congratulated FC Cincinnati once, uh, and they're back on the razor's edge. Uh, I think we were all reasonably sure that Orlando was in after they destroyed Toronto a couple weeks ago, and they're right back on edge again. Uh, 
it is it is wild how this league if you don't like the results basically wait a week and a half and and it'll change again on you um yeah so it's it's just really you can't get comfortable at any point um and you can't get too down on yourself because it turns around so quickly to your point I'm, i'm interested who do you think you would give the edge to right now between uh orlando and cincinnati because to me, it seems like Cincinnati has the most uh, control going into the final weekend, but Orlando has a game in hand. So Orlando has Inter-Miami, and uh, then Columbus is coming to them. Cincinnati is going to D.C. United. Uh, if, if only one of those teams gets in, who do you guys think it is? Oh, I, I think you have to expand it, Matt, because if you, if you discount Charlotte, and I'm going to just discount them for the fact that they have to win out and get a bunch of help. Um, that doesn't mean it can't happen, uh, but just for, for ease or simplification of the conversation, you've got Orlando, Columbus, Miami, and Cincinnati. One of those teams has to drop out, right? So there's four, four teams for three spots. So it could easily be Cincinnati, Orlando, and Miami, or Cincinnati, Orlando, Columbus, or Cincinnati, Miami, Columbus, or Orlando, Miami, Columbus. So, <laughs> you know, you're right, Cincinnati has the most control. I think basically with a draw they're in, essentially, against DC, because that, that puts them on 48. Um, Miami and Columbus. That uh, puts them on 47. Oh, you're right. You're right. That puts them on 47. Uh, and Miami, Miami and Orlando can't both jump them before that. And Columbus and Orlando, I've now can do the permutations in the math in my head. Again, guys, gotta love, gotta love that uh, playoff map in MLS. It is, yeah, it's wild. I, I think I would have thought Miami being at home um, and then playing against a Montreal team that we thought wouldn't have much to play for had an advantage over Orlando having to play on the road and then against a Columbus team going for the last spot. But Montreal's got a shot at the first at the first seed, which we wouldn't have thought so. So Montreal's going to have something to play for. Now Miami has both games at home, um, so that still gives them a, an advantage. I expect Cincinnati to beat DC, um, so I think they're going to still be in. The last three, oh, I expect Columbus to take care of business tonight. Um, Man, I think it's a, I think it's between Miami and Orlando for that last spot. I, if there's a winner tonight, I think that winner is in. If they draw tonight, uh, it'll be it'll be tough. It'll be it'll be tough to decide. I don't know, man. It could go either way. It, it's it's wild, and that's why I think it's interesting. Cause, and that's why there's not like two permutations in the West. It's much more straightforward, but here here it's complicated in the East. And that's the crazy thing about MLS. And additionally, it, the tiebreaker, unlike anywhere else in the world for the most part, is games won. You think about this, you know, the, this little stack of five teams we have going from five to nine. FC Cincinnati's on 11, Orlando, Inter Miami, and Columbus, or sorry, Inter, Orlando, Inter Miami, and Charlotte are on 13, Columbus is on 10. The two Ohio teams, if one of them gets caught on tiebreakers, is out because even though uh, Cincinnati's plus five on GD, 
and Columbus is plus six, and the other three teams are in the negative, because they have less wins than the other three, they won't be in if they're caught on tiebreakers. Like, that, that is the insanity of this league as well. Um, just to add that other, you know, little bit of spiciness into the mix. Matt, to your question about in and out, I don't think it's a question of FC Cincinnati or, and Orlando. If it is, I think FC Cincinnati's in because I just don't see a situation in which they go down to D.C., D.C. with nothing to play for, Cincinnati with it all to play for, and don't manage at least a point, probably three. But I, we could easily see Orlando um, come in and go crazy these next couple games because even though they lost to NYCFC, right, they had a lead in that game. They had you know, momentum at points in that game as well. And this is a team that, even though they've lost to, um, they they lost at Philly, and then they lost to uh, Atlanta at home before destroying Toronto. This was a team that was on fire, absolute fire, and they still look to be playing all right. So, I also can't rule them out. That's like there's not a team in this race that I can say is playing bad soccer at this point in time. That's the hardest part, Andres. If you could rank these teams. One through five in terms of who's playing the best soccer right now versus who's playing the worst soccer. What would what would that look like for you? Uh, trying to, I actually think really tough. Yeah, I think because none of them are playing particularly well. Uh, I think Cincinnati was playing pretty well uh, previously, but even that RSL win, uh, you know, they haven't won many games recently. Uh, even that RSL win, they were a little lucky to get that. Uh, this past weekend wasn't very good. Orlando has been up and down. You know, Miami, outside of that three-game stretch where they get the red card for Pozuelo and then he's out, they've actually been playing uh, pretty consistently well. Uh, Columbus should be the best team out of this group, but they've just been so weak in the last uh, 15 minutes. And Charlotte's probably the overperformance. I actually think Miami's playing the best out of the five um, and are are just as likely to miss the playoffs despite that. Uh, so I think it goes probably... Uh, yeah, it's tough, man. I, <laughs> I can't give you a ranking past that. Anything I say, I'm going to regret immediately afterwards. They're all kind of... <laughs> Put them in a hat and talk and take one out. They're all kind of middling, honestly. Can't say anybody's playing particularly well or particularly awful. So Charlotte has been playing much better lately. They'd be they would have been five up to two weeks ago. So a lot of that I think has come from the play of uh, Swiderski. Uh, him dropping back a little bit deeper into more of a ten role has actually helped them be a lot more dangerous in transition. Um, and yeah, if you got somebody, you know, putting goals away pretty consistently like Rios does, uh, it's a pretty good combination there. I, 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 I could not answer the, the question either, though, as far as who's playing the best soccer. I, I think that we're, we're talking about two straight up playoffs or two, uh, two days of straight up playoffs. Like it's a, everybody's going to be nerves high, uh, I and I, I I'm wondering who's going to be going in looking not to lose versus who's going in looking looking to win, and 
to me, that comes down to coaches. So I have a lot more um, confidence in somebody like Oscar Pereja, in somebody probably like Pat Noonan. Uh, and I, I I don't know so much about Latanzio. I don't know some uh, Porter. Porter just plays very, very negative soccer, in my opinion. But uh, maybe that's a me issue. So It is worth mentioning that Columbus's result this weekend was without Cucho. I believe due to suspension and due to uh, without Zellerion for the first 45 um, due to travel. So you add those two players back in and, you know, it, is Columbus in that hole that they have to get out of at some point? Because in terms of, uh, you know, playing to win versus playing not to lose, uh, when Zellerion was in the second half after Red Bulls had gotten their goal, it was very much, um, uh, you know, Columbus pressing for that uh that that equalizer and then you know keeping the foot on the pedal and continuing to look for the winner um it was pretty impressive from them um in the second half at least in terms of ball retention and where they were keeping the ball which is you know they're going to look good against the red bulls if you're looking at those metrics but it, it even though i think they lacked urgency at times in that game i think especially as it got closer to the end they were pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, they're going to need to do that tonight. Uh, and they're going to need to do that versus uh, Orlando as well because neither of those teams, obviously, we know um, uh, with everything to play for, are not going to be looking back to just seed ball to the crew and do all that stuff because we just saw how Charlotte beat the Union. That was pressing. That was you know progressing the ball through midfield. Like Charlotte, as much as the crew probably want to look past that game cannot because they looked just as dangerous as I've seen any of the other teams in this race look, uh, for a while. And that was, um, that was interesting too, because if Charlotte's able to continue the form that they got from Saturday, yeah, they could win tonight and they could win on Sunday and then they could be in. That's just one of those crazy things. Um, and yeah, with the crew, yeah, you get, you have the emotional high of getting a 93rd minute winner. Then you've got to travel midweek, um, and then you've got to travel again to South Florida uh, on the, the following Sunday. So how how do you manage um, that emotional energy? Not to mention actual, you know, your the actual legs of the players uh, to put out another 180 minutes of good soccer with the season on the line. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a challenge, and that, that's I think is why I put them at at the maybe the longest odds uh, of the four you know again discounting charlotte um who definitely have the longest odds is because they've got to play twice on the road against uh two pretty good teams so again you put put the names in the hat and take out three of the four and you you're you've got just as good a chance of being right as us trying to pronosticate we'll know a lot more in about three and a half hours even though I think we are going to learn more in three and a half hours, there's a chance that we don't really, and that's that's the crazy thing, right? Like, if, let's Charlotte, imagine, if Charlotte yeah. wins and Miami and Orlando draw, right? Uh, then then it, we're basically the same place uh, again going into Sunday, uh, where it, you have to add Charlotte now as a legitimate contender for one of those spots, um, and then anybody drops points and they're they're in danger. So yeah, you're right. There's a there's a possibility that four hours from now we're we're more confused than we are right now. 
I think the team that holds not the keys to this conversation, but certainly a lot of them, weirdly, is Cincinnati. Because if they just won their game, um, or if they just win their game this coming Sunday or had picked up three points uh, this past weekend instead of losing the fire, like they're clear. And then all we have to worry about is these last two spots. Um, but with Cincinnati still in the mix, that makes it even more of a ridiculous thing because now there's three spots. And so we could be looking at a situation in that Cincinnati completely drops out. And then a team like Charlotte is still alive. A team like Columbus is still alive and is actively fighting uh, for that third spot now. So like Cincinnati has an entire spot if they just beat DC, you know, like that's, that that's that's as close as you can get. That's the situation that if you're Cincinnati and you ask a Cincinnati fan before this weekend, you can beat DC United, the worst team in the league, and you're in the playoffs. They take that in a heartbeat, right? Like that's that's the situation in which Cincinnati find themselves. Um, and, and so as much as we want to talk about the other stuff, Cincinnati's almost kind of you know above all the all the mess because they will not play one of these teams. They will play DC United, and they need three points. You know, agreed. They 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 got the most clear path. Um, Orlando's probably the key, considering that they play both Miami and Columbus. Um, but yeah, I think we've pretty much covered this round robin craziness, um, and it's it's a matter of of seeing how it plays out, and it's almost. You know, we're starting with a pre-pre-round of the playoffs tonight, and decision day becomes you know round one of the playoffs, and then round one of the playoffs becomes round two, uh, because that's that's basically where we're at. Uh, and in the West, it's even more clearly a a play-in round. So, just really interesting stuff going into this final weekend. And I I just want to say I want to be looking for those big time players to step up, like. Lucho Acosta on on the weekend, go ahead, get out there and step up and really, really make that space. Uh, and Facundo Torres for uh, Orlando, that's somebody I'm looking to see step up. And especially after the latest announcement, Gonzalo Higuain. I I cannot wait to see what he does to go ahead and step up and make this it make this entire conversation entirely crazier by making everything more compact. So I think there's some really, really exciting stuff out East. Great point. All these teams have legitimate stars that on their day can take over any game against any team in this league. So, you know, who, who has, you know, the ability to do it in this moment, because this is it, you know, you have 90 minutes or 180 minutes to, you know, prove your worth and make the playoffs. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it comes down to guys like you mentioned Acosta for Orlando, any host of those talented attackers like Faku, you mentioned Higuain, Columbus, you know, Yakucho, Zellerayan, even Charlotte, guys like Swiderski have stepped up big time recently, uh, even Rios uh, last weekend. That needs to continue. Um, and e- each of these teams has what it takes. That's what makes it all the more interesting. Andres, you mentioned the West, so after about half an hour of talking nothing but the East, uh, let's head out West, as there are still two spots up for grabs. Um, 
made interesting by the fact that uh, we haven't even talked about this yet. The fact that LAFC beat Portland in the 95th minute, Dennis Buanga scoring his first goal for LAFC, clinching the shield uh, for LAFC. So congratulations to them. Already their second shield and a very, very young uh, MLS tenure for this team. But because they beat Portland, Portland stays very much in the mix with Minnesota and Real Salt Lake. That's two teams fighting, or sorry, three teams fighting for two spots, all on 33 games played. Portland on 46 points, Minnesota on 45, RSL on 44. So everything's still to play for. And I think even though this doesn't have kind of the insanity of the race that is in the East, it still is going to cause ripples, mainly due to the fact that RSL plays Portland, right? That's a win-or-go-home game. That is your extension of a a pre-round of the playoffs because if RSL beats Portland, they're in. If Portland wins or draws, they're in. So, Andres, because you gave us, you know, kind of that analogy about, um, you know, the rounds or the pre-rounds of the playoffs, you can go ahead and take the West, and I think it's there's no better place to start than with Portland and RSL. Yeah, so this one's West is straightforward, pretty much. It, it is literally uh, six versus eight and seven versus nine. If six or seven win, uh, they're in, or if six or seven draw, then they're in. If eight or nine win, then they're in. So it's kind of like Liguilla and Liga MX. Uh, they have that play-in round, and if they if you draw. Uh, you advance based on league position. That's basically what this is. So it's way more, uh, way simpler to, to analyze. And, and I'd say here, in, in the case of Portland RSL, um, I thought Portland played pretty well uh, against LAFC. Um, I think they're probably the better team uh, than RSL. But you've got to go to you've got to go to um, Sandy and RSL. If anything has proven that they're still pretty good at home even in this in in this late um part of the season where they haven't played as well uh they're still pretty difficult to beat at home so i think portland probably does enough to get a draw which would put them in um and that'd be kind of my prediction if you put a if you had to ask me to to, to choose but it's you know it, it's a precarious position for a team that again two weeks ago we thought was uh, pretty much wrapped up and and, and in so, once again, here we go down to the wire. Uh, and RSL has a good history of getting in uh, at, at, the, at the last moment. Yeah, quite often after beating my sport in Kansas City, which is its own frustration. Yeah, this could not have been, like, scripted any better how well this has turned out. I am... The fact that we have these just straight-up play-in games is incredible. And... Two really interesting matchups, too. So Portland, you have uh, October Dyron, so you know that he's going to be... He's going to find a way to score at least once. Um, for... Uh, uh, let me think here. For Salt Lake, uh, they've got some players who have really stepped up recently. And I'm thinking Lovels, or um, Lovelsend. I love Pablo Ruiz for them. I, I We've... I've waxed poetic on, on RSL enough on this podcast before, but uh, them finding a way to go ahead and, and get that draw out in LA to go ahead and stay alive shows that they really, really have some guts. And I, I 
this is a Pablo Mastroni team, so they're always going to fight. And I think that that's really exceptional. Um, X dog is the term that that we're yes, X dog. Yeah, they they do in fact have that dog in them. Um, <laughs> and then like Minnesota and Vancouver. Vancouver has found ways to eke by in every instance that they could. And then Minnesota has found some of the most impressive ways to drop points that I've ever seen. It, they have had so many opportunities to go ahead and clinch this, this playoff berth uh, against especially a lot of teams that are pretty bad. And I think that it really shows how much they miss Debasi because they have not been good defending over the last six weeks or so. Um, it's it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I I love uh, a, a game that you know that Vanny, or uh, yeah, Vanny uh, Sartini is going to be as, you know, animated as humanly possible. Uh, <laughs> there's just, there's so much to like about these, or like about these matchups. Yeah, and apologies for completely forgetting about Vancouver because, like you said, like they found a way to slide under the radar the entire season and yet are right here in a game that if they win it, they are into the playoffs. I completely forgot about them. But yeah, having both those you know, playoff matchups, essentially, in, on decision day makes it all the more interesting um, because, like you mentioned, Andres, it is Ligia. It is when the lower seed wins or the upper seed uh, ties or wins, and that's who advances. Um, I, that, that's a great analogy on your part. I yeah, think Vancouver was 11 points behind Minnesota two weeks, three weeks ago. Crazy. Like, look at the two games that lead, are leading into this weekend. Vancouver hosted and beat the number two team, one, a, a team that we have said is incredible in Austin. And Minnesota went to San Jose and lost. It's insane. And before that, they beat the Sounders. Vancouver did. Uh, yeah. the Sounders playoff hopes on edge. Um, and before that, they demolished the Galaxy, who are in, who've been playing pretty well and are now in the running for a home match. So this run has been super improbable from Vancouver. They're playing really good soccer. Uh, if this was at BC Place, I think they'd be a clear favorite just based on form um, and, and how the last few weeks have gone. It's at Allianz, which makes it more complicated. But Minnesota's been playing so badly um, that you have to give them at least even chances, right? Especially considering that a draw is enough um, for them. So, of course. Yeah, of course. It, it's, it, it makes it a toss-up. Um, and I think Portland and RSL is as well, which it could go either way in both matches, which makes it more interesting for us as neutrals. I, I was just going to say that uh, I keep on forgetting that this is an audio medium, so I've just been like nodding my head up and down to everything that you said, Andres. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you, Andres. <laughs> no, Vancouver, this run by Vancouver has been improbable. All done, by the way, at 10.30 on the East Coast, but improbable nonetheless. And they've they've played teams that if in any other league in the world, if you put up, you know, this, you know, whatever, Vancouver is probably in supporter shield, probably what, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th uh, against, you know, a top two, three team in the league, right? 
that team easily wins any day of the week. But Vancouver has found ways to pull out points when they have needed to win and be perfect in basically every game down this home stretch. If and it Joel, is, I don't, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but if you go back before this little run, they lost pretty badly to to Colorado and to San Jose. They lost by two goals each. Those were the two matches immediately preceding this three match on uh, win or consecutive win streak to get them back in. So on September 10th, when they lost to Colorado, they had just lost to two of the bottom three teams in the West. Um, and were, I think, something like eight or nine points below the line. Insane in three weeks to, to have a shot at, at decision day. Sartika just loves a late season run, doesn't he? He loves to make things just dramatic and get your heart beating. They did it last year. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, they, they played SKC um, at SKC to open up the playoffs because they were, you know, one of the recipients of that crazy uh, decision day stuff last year, too. Like, they just continue to pull out ways to make the playoffs as RSL do. Because again, we talked about this right last week after losing to Austin and then losing to Cincinnati. Like this team was on a bad run. They were going to the galaxy who were on great form and we're like, okay, it was fun for RSL, but you know, this is basically it. Right. And they pull out a point. It could have been three at the end, but they, they get a point and then Portland loses, Minnesota loses, and here we are, where if they win, they are in. Now, we've talked about a lot of these uh, games as win-lose scenarios. I do just want to put it out there that if RSL wins, Minnesota ties, um, it it would be RSL and Minnesota. So there is a way that, you know, we we get a mix and match of these teams. uh, And when it comes to tiebreakers, RSL and Portland are both on 11 wins but because Portland has that point advantage, it really doesn't matter. And because the, the gap is two, RSL then with a win would just jump them. So in terms of like a tiebreaker scenario, um, that's basically negligible in the West as opposed to the East where the tiebreakers and the wins and all that stuff could play a massive part. So I did just want to get that out of the way that tiebreakers basically don't matter at this point. It is really an in- individualized matchups. But... It only Just matters in the way that it's out is crazy. It only matters in the sense that if Portland loses and Vancouver wins, uh, Vancouver would get in uh, on tiebreaker over Portland. But it, it 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 comes down to the same: if the higher ranked team wins or draws, they're in, and if the lower ranked team wins, then they're in. In both right. both matches is what it comes down. Right, to. like there's like no way essentially for um, nobody can lose and be in. Basically. Right. Exactly. I'm begging. Like, we just need to have these matches go to penalties. Like, let's just let's make the or take all the uh, emotions and even just yeah. put jet fuel on them. Like, let's just take it all the way. Let's MLS next pro these things. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering, who do you guys who do you guys think gets in? Who who uh, takes the last two spots in the West? I'm gonna say uh, Portland and Vancouver. I'm gonna say Portland and Minnesota. Not because I think that they're necessarily going to win, but the fact that they can draw and still get in, it gives them about a 70% chance. So I'm yeah, going to play the probabilities and, and go with the two upper seeds, 
um, either to draw uh, and, and squeak in. I'm, I'm going pure drama. I, a long time ago, I made the one of the dumber predictions uh, that, that has ever happened on this podcast, and I said, Cincinnati is my lock for the playoffs. And then I went ahead and doubled down, and I said, Vancouver, they're going to get in. Neither of the other Cascadia teams are getting in. I'm taking Vancouver. I'm taking RSL. The RSL double down makes that even better, Matt. I'm not going to lie to you. That, that'd um, be the most dramatic for sure. Like, pl- please never bet on MLS ever. But if anybody just you know wants to put Fiverr on on that weird uh, uh, parlay, I that's got to be like a thousand to one odds. But I'm taking it. Let's go. Yeah, and, and we mentioned last year, by the way. Um, there's stuff I believe last year that could have gone down on decision day that would have sent uh, Vancouver home, I believe. But Vancouver was the sixth seed last year. RSL was the seventh team. We remember all that craziness in SKC with the Galaxy losing and all that craziness. And right? that missed handball that right. definitely didn't take years off my life. Right. Yeah. The penalty, all that stuff. Right. It, RSL was the direct recipient. Like they were the team that made the playoffs. We, we look at this year and how many times have they been doubted, right? Like last year, all the doubting that happened before, then they made the playoffs. This year, all the doubting, we doubted them on this podcast. We said they were done. And now they, I mean, they're in a, they're in a, a phenomenal scenario right now for them uh, to make the playoffs. Um, and I know we congratulated. Like, sorry, Joey, go ahead. No, I, I was saying like they're in a win and end scenario against Portland a, an exceptionally conceivable scenario. Let's be real. Like I think that they could easily win. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible, and especially at home. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're not a they're not a huge underdog by any means. Actually, if we go into the match here on, uh, let's see what it, what they've got as as odds here. Uh, they've got a win probability of forty nine percent for RSL. So that's basically a toss up. Uh, so Portland, 27% uh, chance of winning, 24 for a draw. That's the other 51%, um, and 49 for RSL. So 50-50 shot they get in, basically. That's not bad. That's not bad. Although they were pretty solidly in uh, the top five in the West for the majority of the season. So it's probably not great for them that they're in this position at this point. Maybe before the season they would have taken it, but two or three months ago they would have wanted to be you know, a little further up and, and clear by this point, I would have thought. I'm sure we're going to do a season recap at some point, right? But, like, I think the Minnesota one is the bigger one, right? Like, the teams that have started to play well since RSL started to slide, we're talking Galaxy, Nashville, right? Like, teams that we knew had it in them the entire way, the players, um, new signings I did, I as well. I did not know the Galaxy had it in them. And I've oh, been, really? I've been at it I, I didn't all, all season. Okay. I, I think I was always expecting the Galaxy to play better. I wasn't hopeful that they would, but I was always expecting them to play better. So when they clicked it on with Pooj, I was not surprised because I know that he's a quality player and I know that when Chicharito scores goals, this team's a good team. So when those two things started to come to confluence, uh, I wasn't surprised with L.A., but that's why RSL has slid out of the playoffs is because uh, Galaxy and Nashville have separated themselves from that bottom pack. Um, and, and kudos to them. But 
yeah, RSL is kind of in this predicament because of that. The Minnesota thing that you guys mentioned, the only reason why I think Vancouver is going to make it is because they've been shipping goals since they lost to Bossy. Um, that's the only reason. Because they they haven't won in their last six. They've they've lost five out of the six. Um, uh, giving up three goals, three goals, one goal, uh, one goal draw versus uh, LAFC, losing four one to Sporting, two nothing at San Jose this last weekend. Without Debussy, he's been the common denominator as to you know what's been missing in these last you know what six games. Without him, they are a worse team. That is why I have Vancouver winning, and that's the only reason why I have Vancouver winning. You know, imagine. Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. I, I I'm just theory theory crafting here to make things again as as silly as humanly possible. Imagine uh, uh, another MLS Cup that goes through the Pacific Northwest, but it doesn't go to Portland or Seattle. Like that may be the greatest thing that could possibly happen in Major League Soccer. I wonder if Timbers and Sounders fans end up rooting for Vancouver. Um, if they're, you know, Sounders are eliminated, if Portland's eliminated, uh, just to keep that NW hold on the Western Conference for, for another year. Or if I feel like there's probably the rivalry, bad enough feelings yeah. between all those folks. <laughs> the rivalry plays against them. Yeah, be interesting to, to pull some of them. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I think also, like, by the way, let, let's just imagine for a second that. Portland misses, Vancouver makes, right? Like, that will shift the dynamic in the Cascadia rivalry for a long time, right? The, the two stalwarts of this league, Portland and Seattle, the only two teams that have really been successful out of the Western, have been successful out of the Western Conference um, for the last decade, are out of the playoffs, and in their place is you know, the pesky neighbor from Canada. Like, just imagine that dynamic going into next season. That's crazy. Like, Andres, I don't, you know, the interclub rivalries aren't really what we're stressing this weekend, but imagine for a second that that happens. What do you think next season looks like as it pertains to these three teams? So we've, yeah, we, we'll have time to, to look at roster builds and all going into next season, but, you know, I think we'd, talked a little bit last week about how I think Seattle's probably going to be fine um, going into next year. Uh, Portland's window is starting to close a little bit. We've talked a little bit about their next generation um, starting to come through, but but there needs to be um, some more building um, to replace. They've already, they've already lost, right? Valeri, uh, Blanco and Chara are getting up there. Mabiala is getting up there, so there's there's a little bit of rebuilding that has to happen in Portland, and Vancouver's kind of coming through that rebuilding, and I think they're they're right in their window for 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 where they've been going for the or trying to build for the last two years. So it's it's a very real possibility that Vancouver is um, the better team next season um, over Portland. Certainly, uh, I might think Seattle will bounce back. To to be honest, I think this is kind of a a little bit of a fluke between CCL and some injuries and and some stuff that went on. So that that's kind of where I see the three the three clubs. Yeah, definitely, it's not going to be the same heading into next year. I think we can all agree on that. Um, 
but for Vancouver, this is their opportunity to go and seize something that they really haven't, which is supremacy in a region that has been dominated by their other two rivals um, for, I mean, as really as long as they've been in the league. So that's going to be a really interesting storyline to continue to follow. Um, now that Seattle's officially out, Portland, that that's a toss-up. Uh, so we, that's that's really the storylines in the West. It is even more so than in the East at this point, win or go home um, for the bottom two clubs. And for the top two clubs, you still have to, like Matt said, you still have to play to win because the bottom two clubs in this uh, scenario, RSL and Vancouver, are in good enough form at this point. RSL not in as good form as Vancouver, but they're in good enough form that they can they can nip you in the bud at any stage uh, in this game, uh, in these games coming up, and they can make the playoffs. Matt, anything more in the West? And we can move on to maybe a few auxiliary storylines to wrap up this week, this crazy week. No, the last thing I just kind of wanted to touch on out West, um, Nashville had an opportunity to, I think, clinch a home game in uh, what ended up being a loss at home to Houston, which I think really they've got to be pretty irked about. Um, I think that's that was uh, an interesting storyline that's definitely very, very far back. I think the bigger thing for them right now is the fact that the MVP of the league plays on their team. And I think that's, you're going to keep on seeing stuff come out around, around Hani. Um, and then I believe this was the weekend that the galaxy clinched. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, that I last believe weekend. so. I believe so. So that's, we, I, none of us are galaxy fans, but I think that we can all recognize how much the galaxy means in this league. And so to have them be back in the playoffs is, massive i'm really really happy for that incredible fan base that's wonderful um and we get to see uh playoff chicharito which i think will be very very fun the galaxy gets some hate at times for being one of those teams that is one of the mls powers um you know one of the teams that the league loves you know to highlight as they should but the fan base itself you know is just a loyal fan base it's just like you know SKC or like Philly, like they're just as loyal. They're just as devoted, right? And they've been hurting throughout the, these last couple of years of no playoffs. So I think for them to be back in is also crucial. And to have two LA, LA clubs that are, you know, on top of their game right now could even play each other in the second round um, as they did the last time that LAFC won the Shield. Uh, could just I really hope the, the Galaxy stays in that fourth spot because that would mean that they would get a home game. If they win that home game, that would mean that it would be LAFC, LA Galaxy. And I think that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Well, that A match like that hasn't happened um, since both these teams last made the playoffs at, at the same time. So that, that could be really special as well. Um, so much to look forward to, not just at the bottom of that playoff race, but at the top, as you, and we mentioned this uh, very briefly in the East with Philly and Montreal, but there's still, you know, that top spot in the East is not secure either. There's so much to play for up and down um, the playoff spots. It's not just, uh, you know, these bottom of the playoff, you know, races that we've been talking about, not these seven, eight, nine. It's also the, 
you know, the first, second, third, fourth place, the home games that could really dictate who actually ends up winning the cup, not just the teams that, you know, slide in at the last. That's really crucial uh, to mention as as well. We mentioned this earlier with Higuain. I do want to take a moment and give each of you, uh, I'll start with you, Andre, some time just to vocalize as he's retiring now, what has he meant to Inter-Miami? What's he meant to this league? It's not been a straight line in terms of his tenure, but I think that's made it all the more perfect. Andres, what's your view on Higuain as he departs Inter-Miami with an up-and-down uh, tenure there? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been up-and-down, as you mentioned. I think in economics, you'd call it a, a V-shaped recovery because... You know the first couple of years were were pretty rough uh, when he came in. Even even last year, although the the numbers were decent, you know, there was the play wasn't very inspiring. The body language wasn't very inspiring. Um, and at the beginning of this season, it looked like it was all kind of you know just kind of gonna go away and end on a pretty sour note. Um, Phil Neville had benched him. Uh, there was comments about. Um, you know, just basic. Um, the the mood in the locker room wasn't particularly great, and, and the leadership uh, wasn't particularly great from from either side, coaching or the player. Uh, it seemed like things were going to become irreconcilable, um, and this renaissance of the last three or four months has been really really fun to watch. If you know, being from Miami um, and following the league for so long, I'm obviously not there now. Um, I'm not sure I consider myself a supporter, but I'm definitely an uh, interested observer. And just watching the the vibe around that team over the last three or four months has been really fun. Um, and you can see that Iguain has become a really strong leader um, and has a lot to do with with how that team is playing and how they've come together. And I legitimately thought that this uptick in his form uh, and the way that they they just seem to be having fun, uh, that it'd be enough to convince him to, to come back for another year. Uh, but it seems like he's he's ready to move on uh, outside of playing. So it's unfortunate that just as the right moment seemed to be coming along, uh, he decided to, to call it a day. But I guess, you know, it makes he knows his body and he knows his priorities. And I guess better to go out playing well than, than maybe have another dip in form. So it's been really fun to watch. It's unfortunately it's unfortunate that it took kind of so long uh, to get going. But the last three or four months have been, I think, exactly what Inner Miami was looking for out of him. So it, it's good that it finally came together. Yeah, and I, I, it's always nice to see uh, some of those incredible veteran players. Um, take the league seriously because that's not always what we get. Uh, and I think over the last few weeks, like you were talking about Andres, we have seen Iguain do that. And so, yeah, I co-sign hundred percent. You're like, you're much more in touch with that uh, Miami fan base too. And I think that they've really appreciated him really putting in the effort to go ahead and, and step back up for the team. And I think that's awesome. Uh, and if I can reclaim the rest of the time, uh, Shea Salinas, is an absolute legend out in San Jose. Uh, and so his, his he scored in his last match 
uh, at uh, Earthquakes Arena, or I don't, I don't, maybe PayPal Park still. PayPal I don't remember Park, what it's maybe, called. Yeah, like yeah, I genuinely cannot even think of it now. But um, yeah, incredible career. I think he was a lifetime with San Jose and just uh, an absolute incredible guy. So uh, here's to you, Chase Salinas. Yeah, a legend out there for I mean for a team that hasn't you know had too many hasn't had the best years either to remember these legends but you know you know a legend when he comes and that's one that's Shay Salinas that was Wando as well for a bunch of years so you know he was something that this club could hang their hat on when there hasn't been too much you know what I mean but that's seeing him leave but seeing him score on his last game seeing uh seeing a little with his last game there that is um and then the club winning against Minnesota you know having nothing to play for except the spoiler and then getting a 2 nothing win at home man that's just that's storybook stuff right there so yeah i'm glad that we touched on that because i wasn't sure if there was going to be time to even mention Higuaín but i'm glad we were able to touch on you know two players two older players of completely different statures and legacies but departing this league at the same time, um, it is the beauty of MLS, isn't it? That we could have two players leaving uh, the, uh, this league in Gonzalo Higuain and Shea Salinas, and they both have importance, um, equal importance potentially. That that's that's something crazy. Um, but I think that's that's pretty good for this week, guys. Apologies, listeners, if we were all over the place. If I was all over the place, uh, that's kind of the nature of these last couple weeks of these races in particular. Uh, it's going to be insane. Make sure you tune in tonight um, with uh, Charlotte and Columbus and Inter-Miami and Orlando. And then obviously on Sunday with Decision Day, we'll be back earlier next week um, with a, a massive pod, potentially the biggest one we have yet. Also stay tuned for a conversation I do want to set up about uh, the NWSL findings and where we go from here. So, so much to touch on all across the board in the U.S. soccer sphere. But I'm so glad that I was able to do it today with Matt and Andres, as always. And excited just beyond measure for what we have coming up these next couple weeks as Decision Day is now upon us, as MLS Cup looms large. It's going to be so much fun. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game, and we will see you then.